Get your fucking food, Sarah. <laughs> hey, get in here. Dallas is about to start. Welcome to the Ewing Barbecue, where someday cows are going to give beer. My name is Mary. And I'm Sarah. Mm, cow beer. This is Josh thinking about cow beer. And I'm Melanie. <laughs> I have nothing else to say to that. <laughs> cow beer. Cow beer. Mm, cow beer. I'm thinking uh, cowbell now. Thanks a lot. Uh, yes, yes. I have a prescription and it's fever. A quick shout out to our Patreon members, Brendan Fillick, Captain America, Sheen Pye, Laura Bernheim, Brad Maholland, Anita Wren, and Kristen Carlano. Thank you. And unfortunately, it was this point in the recording that my, Mary, internet went out completely and they had to record the rest of the episode without me. So enjoy. <laughs> Uh, a couple of uh, birthdays this month uh, that we have today. Actually, we're recording August 17th, which is the birthday of Glenn Corbett, who played Paul Morgan, who was an attorney on Dallas. Next week is would have been Jim Davis's birthday. He would be, well, he'd be very old if he was still with us because he was born in 1909. Uh, August 26th. So that would make him 113. <laughs> damn, that's old. Damn, damn. Oh, and Pat Powers. <laughs> and on, um, let's see, August 30th, Jerry Gale, who played Rose, was born 1957, so she's 65. I really should do my math <laughs> before I go on the yeah, air. 65 is right. Yeah. I don't know if anyone had a chance to see um, Elvis yet but uh that was a very good movie priscilla was talking about it and uh, i happened to catch it yesterday i know you mentioned it last week and i had pre-recorded some thoughts but uh mentioned about rosanna christensen who played teresa passed in uh, on july 14th it was actually kind of sudden i hear yeah and i uh did post i did post the link to her uh celebration of life service that was posted up online so that is uh, available for anyone that just wants to check that out. And Sarah, you you were actually at the you and Mary were there in the thirtieth reunion. Yes, right? she's one of the autographs that I actually got that night. She was awesome. Right. Very yeah, sweet. I happened. I was able to get her to sign the record too. And it was nice seeing people like her and uh, Denon Simpson, who played Kendall. Yeah, there. I got Kendall, Teresa, some and of, uh, of, Ray Krebs that night. Okay, yeah. Steve Keneally. So what are we drinking? The usual. J.R. Ewing bourbon. That's the only thing I will. Bourbon, wine. I got some cider shit. Uh, I've got. Mm-hmm. Any other housekeeping? Oh, I, this is not housekeeping. Really, really quick. Has nothing to do with Dallas, but I'm going to give a shout out anyway because I'm obsessed now. If you have not heard, shit, I forgot her first name already, but last name is Flowers, but her podcast, I think she does Crime Junkie, but the one I'm listening to is called The Deck. And it's about they take a deck of cards and put them in prisons all over the U.S. and faces of missing people and the prisoners talk. And when they see something that they know, they want time shaved off. So they go and say, hey, this guy in cell, whatever, is missing and murdered people that are unsolved. And it is the best fucking podcast. And I've listened to every episode in like four days. So it's called The Deck. It's great. And they're 30 minutes. So you can listen to them in your car on the way to work and one on the way home. 
So, okay, now go. You act, wait, you actually said shout out, and I did want to throw this out there because we were talking about it before we went on. Um, a special shout out to, we should raise a glass, to Josh Henderson's mother, Sharon, who has been working very hard with the as a Red Cross volunteer. And she just came back home to Tulsa from the floods in Kentucky. Thank you, and Sharon. It just uh, She was on a newscast yes, down there. So thank you for your service. And um, let's hope things uh, improve down in Kentucky and that you are not called into action anytime soon, which means that there are no disasters going on. Cheers. So I'm going to try to be Mary because Mary's internet went out. So tonight we are discussing $5 a barrel. We now hold your note. Why? So we'd be the ones to foreclose on you. I either need more money or I'm going to take the kid and head back to California. How much do you want? A couple of thousand. I mean for the boy. 25,000. How long can you afford to hold five million barrels? I ask you here to do business. Then you best face realities. Your oil is worth less every day you sit on it. I'm going to pay off that loan. You're a dead man, JR. And I'm the head ball bear. Season... Five episode was it nine? nine? Uh, let's see. And eighty six of the series. Written by Leonard Katzman, directed by Irving J. Moore. Sounds like the dream team there for a minute. Uh, it aired on December fourth, nineteen eighty one. Right after my birthday. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Other little fun facts about this week, uh, December fourth, nineteen eighty one. The number one Billboard hit in the U.S. was "Physical" by Olivia Newton-John. And for the rest of 1981 as well. <clears throat> Top news stories this week. President Reagan signed a presidential finding secretly authorizing the CIA to provide direct assistance to the Contra rebels led by Eden Pastora. I probably butchered that. In overthrowing the Sandinista government of Nicaragua. A congressional committee would cite the action later in a section entitled Misuse of Findings, concluding that the president authorized more than had been reported to Congress. What? Presidential misconduct? <gasps> Pro clutch. <clears throat> Dudley Wayne Kaiser, convicted of killing his estranged wife, his mother-in-law, and a college student who just happened to be at the Behringer home on Halloween in 1976. He was sentenced to three life sentences plus 10,000 years in jail. Good. Guinness Book of World Records, longest sentence. Last denied parole in 2016. The motherfucker's still alive? That doesn't seem... Man, man, ah, oh, jeez, special place in hell. <clears throat> Born on this week, Britney Spears, Brian Bonsall from Family Ties. I think that's it. A couple of casting notes as um, Lee DeBro, who played DeBro. McCoy, returned to Dallas as Ewing tanker captain Jack Belaris later on, and he also appeared on Magnum P.I. Where did they come up with these names? And <laughs> Sorry. Bolaris. I don't know. Bolaris. Sounds like a jewelry store. The Bolaris Jewelry Collection. This is the second episode in a row Just that like was that number two. like that perfume we came up with last week, right? <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. What about the clitoris? Watch. <laughs> You'll hear it. Cliché necrophilia. Cliché necrophilia. Okay, sorry, Josh. Clitoris. Yeah, we just—it's a long story. Yeah, it's a—it was a—it was a mishap. 
I if there, I posted a uh, like a fifty second sound bite of it on our social media platforms, and you'll get the gist of it just from listening to that. <laughs> I I tripped over the oh. word cliche, and they took off running with it. It was great. Cliche, okay. yeah. So a cliche is now a clitoris. Okay. <laughs> yes. um, this episode was number two in the ratings, and it was their first episode in their new Friday nine p.m. time slot, which was their longest running time slot that's when i watched that was the one they dominated moved, yeah. right that's the one i always watch my parents yeah it moved from 10 p.m to 9 p.m to make room for falcon crest mm. which earned uh number eight ranking with a 21.8 rating and a 38 share and it was promoted by saying what does jr do after dallas he watches falcon crest <laughs> Some Dallas actors that play uh, also appeared on Falcon Crest include Mark Lindsay Chapman, Stephen Elliott, Morgan Fairchild, and Mel Ferrer, and Laura Johnson. Hmm. Ooh, I just and I just lost my page. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever noticed with this with broadcast TV, but uh, the content on any regular like NBC, CBS, whatever shows gets a little more. Uh, they're allowed to be a little more risque after 10 p.m. Yeah, Dallas fit right in. Of course, scandal. Mm. So then, moving moving back to nine o'clock. I mean, I wonder if that had any effect on that. Because then they went back to ten o'clock years later, didn't they? Uh it was it was ten o'clock yeah. Eastern here the whole time I watched it. So it was nine here. Oh, so it was ten yeah. Eastern. Okay, but when they were Does nine, or were they? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> No, they did pop back in at 10 p.m. Um, Eastern. Yeah, Eastern in they the later years. Because I watched. But not not for long. Yeah. Not for long. No, it was probably like the last season because I remember TGIF on oh, yeah. ABC. And I then love TGIF. The channel being right when 10 o'clock hit immediately. My grandfather was watching Dallas. Mm. Yeah, it, was like, it was like family fun. And it was like, I'm going to kill you, slut. <laughs> Yeah, basically. <laughs> Cut right in. It's like, okay, not good for the not good for the four year old. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so we open at the ranch. Of course. With I thought limo. the white car following following the car pulling into the ranch was gonna pull into the ranch too, but then it just drove right past the ranch, which was kind of bizarre. Uh, it was a low, it was probably hand. a mistake on ranch hand. Ellie and Gary get out of the car when they pull up. So they're obviously still shooting on location because they showed drive up the driveway and they're pulling in. And um, Gary and Ellie just kind of catch up on what's been going on and Jock being in South America and Lucy and Mitch splitting up and Sue Ellen not being there with John Ross anymore. And Gary says it's time for him to – Gary was kind of actually – I don't know if anyone noticed. Gary was uh, – he had some spunk in some of his scenes. Did you, did you, did you all notice he that? He did. He had a little bit of backbone. He kind of sat there, like right across from Jr. and was like, "I mean, yo, all right." Yeah, he looked like he had some big dick energy right after he got out of the limo. Yeah, BD. speaking of, what the fuck they become in a limo? That is so cliche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he needs really to be able to find the clitoris. <laughs> well, it it wasn't really a limo. It was a four door car with a driver. It was a limo. It was one of those old Lincoln. It's like a limo. Was it not? Oh, that was a Lincoln limo, wasn't it? Like That's a what I thought, but I mean, I thought it was like a longer one. I could it, be wrong. Yeah, it looked yeah, like a limo, which would be a limo, right? <laughs> I don't know. I thought that, but I don't. I feel like they weren't as long back then for some reason. 
I don't know. I, uh, I'm not going to do it. It was a town right call. <laughs> it was a town call. Yes. So they, so Miss Ellie and Gary talk for a little bit, and then who comes slouching down the stairs? But Jr. Who overslept? A lot of people are concerned with his uh, sleeping habits lately. Because he doesn't have anybody to share his bed anymore. I know. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but you may not know this if you don't uh, know much about psychiatry or psychology or whatever. But uh, that sleeping in is supposedly a sign of depression. Now, I like to sleep in. Me too. I'm not necessarily depressed. I can't do it, but I love to. That's like a classic. If everybody's like... I work afternoons and nights, well, so if I sleep later saying, in the day. If everybody, well, okay, this is J.R. Ewing, though. He's he's up bright and early, always got to get to the office, and then he's like usually not home before dark, right? And then it's gotten to the point where people around him are noticing that he's sleeping in. They're like, you know, dude, something's wrong. Even Gary, who's just in from California. Are you, are you kidding me? Well, and he knows his brother. He knows he was always like up and out and ready to go. Yeah. Um, even yeah. if they hadn't lived together. I mean, JR is JR. JR's got to be concerned about the uh, dropping prices of oil and those those notes coming to him. Yeah. But I think he's he's got a lot on his mind. I think Dusty got to him, too. And JR got to Dusty, as we're going to see in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the way you, what are you saying, Sarah, about. Um, the BDE. Oh, I said, yeah, Gary when had Gary a big interview yeah. right after he got out of the car. Like he was put his hands on his hip I looking just, around I, like, this is my South Fork, <laughs> motherfucker. I don't know why I thought this. That but is not I here. Looked, I'm coming in. <laughs> one of those immediate thoughts I had. Well, that's that's one possibility uh, why he was okay because Jock wasn't there. Yeah. But uh, one thought I had was uh, I bet Miss Ellie has sent him money over the years because Jr. starts like, Jr. starts right in about, about the voting shares like almost immediately. And he's trying to basically right. talk Gary into giving up. He's like, what's it worth to you? Don't you want to be set up in your own business? Blah, blah. And Gary's like, I didn't think you cared, dude. Like, whatever. And JR's like, oh, no, come on. Don't, don't you you still want to work at that used car lot? Don't, don't you want something of your own? And I'm just like, there ain't no way Miss Ellie hasn't been secretly white, like sending him shit Western Union for like the uh, last yeah. 20 years. Because that, that's her baby. Yeah, and there's only so much money he can make with Sid Fairgate at Knott's Landing Motors. Know. I mean, come on. I mean, they're in that cul-de-sac. Miss Ellie is okay. This is canon now. Miss Ellie is wiring Gary money and has been for years. The end. Got you have got to. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I, I liked um, Jr. says says, "Oh yeah, I've been sleeping alone." And he said, "Oh, so you were able to uh, having having trouble getting your own kid back, but uh, didn't take you long to get Lucy back when Valine ran off with her." Gary just, right. just like lays right into Jr. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very touched by your concern, Jr. <laughs> what every everything that Jr. is saying, I gotta say honestly, is very, very tempting. I would take the money and fucking yeah. run. I'd be like, yeah, here's here's my voting shares. Give me like ten million, and you'll never see or hear from me again. I relinquish everything. Bye. Because Gary's never cared about you and oil anyway. Hollywood. So just, but I, but I think I he know. cares about Bobby. He's. I think he's worried about and the his future mama. of everybody else, not Jr. He should have given those shares to. Well, no, he did. Never mind. Keep going. Sorry. He he could always give them to Lucy. But he. Oh. Anyway. That yeah. would open up an. Anywho. Inter- 
If that were to happen, that would open up some interesting possibilities. Sticking her, bringing her into the Ewing oil fold, uh, it should have been should be explored. Yeah, right. Bobby finally gets the this guy Greer out in California on the phone, and Greer answers the phone, saying, "Thinking, oh, he's going to talk to Mister Ewing." So he says, "Oh, Jr. It's been a, a while since we spoke." And no, this isn't Jr. This like, is how Bobby. How do you know Jr. Yeah, how do you know Jr. And, and it's so funny because he he immediately goes into attorney client privilege yeah, right after which that, which really wasn't even a thing back then. He's like, Obvi. no, and he's like, I can't discuss it. I don't, I don't even know him that well. I'm like, well, you would address him as Mister Ewing if you didn't know him that well. First, he says he doesn't even he doesn't even know who Kristen Shepard is, and then it's obvious that he does because then it's like, oh, well, I I, I can't talk about that attorney attorney client privilege. But goodbye, boom, done, gone. Okay, yeah. Bobby, at that point, should have put the pieces together as soon as the guy said JR and then and they hung up the phone. It was like, so he knows JR, checks are coming in or going out, so it's got to be JR. He should, he should have just, pe- De- Detective Ewing should have had that all pieced together by then, and he, he had to drag it out for, through most of the episode, though. And next, JR is trying to sell his five, the five million barrels of oil to an oil broker named Mr. McCoy. So we don't get a first name because the they decided we're not going to give you a first name. It's Mr. Mr. McCoy. Who offers him $2 below market value. And JR said, well, that's, I'm going to have to take something like a $20 million loss or something like that. And I mean, you should have thought goes, of that. Yeah, dumbass. if you're that desperate, what the fuck? Like, don't, don't. Don't do stupid shit. You know, that's a, that's a huge risk. I mean, did he not – he learned nothing, you guys. He learned nothing from when he mortgaged self No, that's what I'm saying. It's almost the exact right. same he scenario, almost, kind of. And, and, he's doing, and he's doing this instead of for the company. He's doing it for revenge, his own personal is, revenge. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. He's putting the company at risk, the company, the business. The company. The business. <laughs> He's putting it at risk for revenge to get Sue Ellen thrown off the uh, Southern Cross so he can get John Ross back. Sue Ellen ain't going to get thrown off the Southern Cross. I got another. I got a surprise for him. They're not going to do it. Really? <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, no. Nah. Why would they? Why? Like, why would they? It's not about, like, what Jock wants to Clayton and Dusty. It's like keeping a mother and her child safe and like a family unit intact that as intact as it can be with how it is right now. Like they, they don't give two shits about J.R. Ewing and what he's trying to do, which is obvious. Right. Clayton, I'm sure over the years, Clayton has weathered many a storm. And in fact, he even said to J.R., he's, he's gone up against people like him before better, and yeah. better men than better him. Better men than him and, and they failed. <sighs> Jr. is probably. I wonder how much money Jr. loses over the years. Somebody add that up. Two billion. Two billion. Wow. That's what that's what Larry Hagman said in a uh, uh, an interview once. He said uh, he estimated that they had he had lost about two billion dollars. That's not the sign of a good businessman. Businessman. It is no. It is not. Sounds like an no. idiot. And as soon as. <laughs> And McCoy <laughs> leaves, b- b- not before saying that uh, the price of oil is going to continue to drop, so the amount that JR is going to lose is going to keep going up as the price continues to drop. Obviously, you know, JR's a little flustered here. And then Mr. Holiday calls to see if JR wants to 
to continue using the tank farm. And he goes, oh, by the way, the payment needs to be up front uh, before the end of the month here. And JR's like, I, I told you I'd get back to you. <laughs> JR's, JR's, start, JR's starting to come apart a little bit there. Let's oh, no. That. Then we go to Cliff bringing in the cartel minus uh, Marilee Stone. So Jordan Lee, Wade Luce, and Andy Bradley. And they're not sure if they want to drink with him yet. They're wondering why they're there. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then in comes the other human oil slick, Von Leland. And they explain mm-hmm. that they're going to, Von wants to keep the hundred dollar, hundred, hundred dollar, hundred million, hundred million uh, dollar. One hundred million dollars. <laughs> he wants to keep that note because he wants to be part of the revenge. So the other bankers like Franklin Horner and them, they might be willing to sell their shares of the notes to Cliff and the three other members of the cartel. So that would probably break down to what, 25 million a piece. Mm. That's a lot Something of fucking like money. And JR bought the oil at 35 a barrel, right? Yeah. That's a lot of money. 35. Yeah. And, uh, they all want to be part of the revenge against JR. So Jordan likes that idea. So I think now we'll take that drink. And maybe we should take a drink too. Cool. Got it. Rattle your ice. So then we cut to Bobby. Kind of a filler scene. Goes in, has Phyllis search through the old correspondence with the law firm. Right. Okay. How the fuck does she? I don't understand. I mean, I guess that's back in the day of age of like paper files and going in old file boxes and that kind of stuff. But that seems like a lot of fucking work. I mean, but you think Jr. is gonna? This is like the red file. You think he's gonna just have that shit in a file box with the other files from that year? No. 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 (laughs) If Jr. is smart, he has that hidden somewhere else. Yeah. And he should have learned from it's the like, red file, like you're saying. He's got a red file because they didn't exactly have thumb got drives a red back dick. then. Sorry. Red dick. Full of STDs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But. Da- danger noodle. No, for reals. Your noodle is is dangerous. The noodle is dangerous. So Sly went home sick and JR's at the Cattleman's Club. Meanwhile, back at the Ridge. Gary and Lucy are out at dinner and uh, JR's taking shots at everybody's marriages except uh, Miss Ellie and Jock's. The irony. Come on. Like, his parents are the only ones in the good marriage. Well, that's right. And you know what, buddy? Your marriage failed because of you, ass. But there's no accountability there. Don and Ray seem to be doing fine. Ray's having a little bit of pride issues right now. JR doesn't know that yet. So for the sake of this But JR also doesn't count him as a full Ewing. He's a half-breed. That's what he says. He doesn't count him as a Ewing. Half-breed, poor thing. So, Bobby but and then Pam, Gary well, and Lucy come home. She's in a she's in a nut house, yeah. And the, Gary and Lucy were talking and laughing and bantering like they'd been hanging out for oh yeah all this time and blah blah blah. Jr. wants them to just get on with it. Tell us what you got to say. Jr., you're not going to like what he has to say because he's decided yes, you are right. I don't want to have to keep coming back month after month for votes and this and that. And, so, I am going to get rid of my shares. But guess what, JR? You're not getting them. Guess who's getting them? Sarah, who's getting them? Lucy. <laughs> Which I think is great because she hates JR. So I, I have 
Mary and her technical difficulties sent me her notes, and she said, yay, somebody in this family isn't a piece of shit, finally. Finally, we'll stand up to him, but you know, that sucks, because because he did that, I, he's going to come down triple time on Gary, you know? Oh, yeah. It's going to suck. Oh, yeah. That's that's true. I, I like the, lo- the looks that are... The- the looks that are exchanged between everybody. So many scenes can just be summed up in a look between two characters, and that's that's it. No dialogue needs to be said. It just the look. You've got the look, baby. So now we start to see. Okay, so Lucy's got the ten. Ray's got ten. Bobby's got his. John Ross has ten. Miss Ellie's got thirty. And now JR's wheels are going to go into motion as far as things just happening to fall into his lap. Like, oh, Mr. Porter of the National Cattlemen's Bank just happens to come see JR to see if JR will back Ray's loan. And JR stalls and says, Well, why don't you stall? Because, you know, Ray, but. Don't don't tell Ray you came to see me because Ray Ray has pride and he wouldn't want to want that to get out there. So I'm just going to look into this a little bit. Yeah, look into it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Then we have a quick scene. Melanie, did you have anything to add to that one? Or look, I'm not going to lie. I got distracted last night, big time. So my notes are very sparse, and I I needed uh, guidance. Okay. Sue Ellen walks out of the room as Dusty is continuing to watch these old rodeo clips. Dusty is, he's been rattled by JR's. um, He's having another Sunset Boulevard moment. Yeah, the encounter at uh, Cowboy Stadium, which was very well filmed. And um, the whole thing about being a sexual washout, that, that kind of stung. And you could tell at the end of that last, uh, Dusty turns his back and he's to JR and he's walking away. He could feel like daggers. Now we're obviously seeing what's that word? Well, now we're obviously seeing the effect of that in this episode because he's just becoming a man possessed with trying to prove that he's a man. Oh, dusty. <clears throat> Sorry. And it's not. Yeah, and it's not necessarily for Sue. It's to prove something to himself. It's, it too. is. I mean, I want to say the male ego, but I probably think it would be anybody in this situation. Because you kind of would already feel like it, and then somebody's yeah. like, throw it in your face, and then they're throwing it in your face in front of someone that loves you, or you love, or whatever. It's just sad. Well, and you know, it, yeah. kinda, it makes me think of when Miss Ellie had her mastectomy, and how like how hard she took that. And, you know, she, it's not the same, but it is. Like, she and Dusty are, both went through something medically that they couldn't really help. Right. And... They're just worried about how everybody else around them is going to feel and how they're going to react. And then, you know, JR didn't really say much about that to Miss Ellie wisely because we all should have reached through the TV and killed him if he did. But, um, you know, of course, he's going to rub this problem in Dusty's face because he's just an ass. And we need Mary's bolt up. Mary's not here tonight, so. Oh, wait, hold on, listen. I can't hear that. It's a shit. Where's my... Oh, I don't... Is that like an... Damn it. I don't have my blowhorn thing. There's my microwave. Okay, well, fuck you, Jay. Yeah. There. 
But so now we've got Donna leaving for book business. She'll be back with the galley copy. Can Ray read it then? She's unsure. Also seems sus. Martin Porter calls. He delays. So weird. (laughs) These are Mary's notes and I'm just, I'm dying over here. Hers are so much better than mine. (laughs) He he delays the meeting by saying that some of the uh, loan committee officers have come down with the flu and they have to postpone. And as Ray hangs up, Donna can tell something's going on. She has that look on her face, but Ray said, Oh, Ray said, Oh no, it's just some of the, some of the fence, uh, fence post is down. And, but Donna's quietly not buying it. And then they leave. Let me say one thing real quick. This is a heads up to every man that is listening to this podcast right now. When you act like that, women have a sixth sense. We knew somebody else was on that phone other than you said because of your facial expression, your mannerisms, and you're like, er, 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 everything's fine. Er, er, er. No, no, you're not fooling anybody. There you go. Just like word to the oh, wise. Donna knew. It's a woman's intuition, whether it's something stupid about money in the bank, whether it's another man, whether whatever the fuck it is, we know. We can pretend like we don't know, but we know. <laughs> Sorry. That was my woman's rant. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Well, it's it's true. Just special. trying to teach something no from the forty-three-year-old hag sitting here. <laughs> no, we know it's an. I think it's a thing that comes with time and experience. Lots of. That sounded really tacky. <laughs> I said lots of experience. I didn't mean it like that. The the forty-three-year-old hag. Yeah, you that's said? me. Hello. <laughs> I mean, I am married, have kids, but I still feel like an so, old hag. Everybody, Melanie, how old are you now? Well. Uh, mm. 36. <sighs> so, South Fork Sally refers to herself and all the women down there as heifers. So that's, uh, that's uh, instead well, of hags, they must would be, be a heifers. Texas thing. That's when you say heifers, I hate that fucking word. This guy that I know says mm-hmm. that all the time. And I'm like, what, what are you referring to? I mean, and that heifer is a cow. So you're calling uh, another woman a cow. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Fuck off. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, Southern, well, no. I, that's not the, not the first time I've heard that Southern all, women use that as an insult against each other. I know. That's the redneck trash fight. You heifer. But mm-hmm. South, South Fork Sally Peavy, she uses that as a uh, – not as an insult. She calls her and her friends – they're all a bunch of heifers. I mean – In fact, I think the name the – name It's of their, almost like the context in which you say, bless at. your heart. She, she, calls it. It, she calls it heifer haven. Well, see, I probably wouldn't choose that that's word. Her, uh, to my friends, it's kind of like saying, this is my squad or whatever. But like, I'll be like, yeah, we're the party in heifers. Who the fuck would ever use that to make a compliment of yourself and your friends? <laughs> I don't understand. I don't and it, don't say it's a Southern thing. I don't do it. Aren't we, we're at Brooktree now, though, aren't we? Yes. Bobby is coming to see Pam. So Dr. Conrad tells and Pam tell Bobby that uh, Pam is going to be ready to go home for a couple of days as part of her. It's time to start integrating her back into her real life and give her something to look forward to and a goal to achieve and put her in her natural surroundings. Uh, Bobby's a little skeptical. At first, I was just like, okay, that's nice. They're going to let her have like a release program for a couple of days. days But then I was like, that's just kind of like taking a kid out of timeout and letting them go back into what they were in and then be like, you're still bad and pull them back. You're not... 
letting her finish her progress. She still gets to have visitors. She still is getting treatment. Yeah. If they're going to let her out, they need to let her out and then come like every other day for therapy. Like that's not what they're doing. They're like giving her like a weekend pass. That's not what they do in alcoholics. And like when you do your 30 days or whatever, if you have to say 60, they start letting you out every Friday. You need to be back at 8 p.m. Or It's not – I don't think that's healthy. That's my opinion. But – How's it going to be when she has to go back? Exactly. And it's – I knew someone, they were in – Treatment for heroin. They came out on a weekend pass. They decide it was Mother's Day weekend. They decided, oh, I'm going to do it one more time. They almost died, and now to this day, they're a vegetable. Dude, that's what I'm saying. I don't think so it's, it's like I don't think she'd go jump off a building again. But she's going to get back to her comfortable life somehow. I'm sure children are going to come up again, or her brother's going to piss her off, or she's going to see her mom, or Jr. is going to say something nasty to her. Jr. is going. <laughs> and she's going to spiral back down, and it's like starting from zero. It's like, start, it's like starting all over again. So why, until you really feel comfortable that they are okay to live in society with therapy maybe two or three times a week, if they think, I don't know, why would you let them have weekend pass? Just have visitors here. Come join family program with us or whatever, but don't let them fucking leave. She's a nut job. The way that... The way that they were talking about Pam in the beginning was like, it, it sounded like, and I, I did write this down, it, I was like, Pam is healed in one episode? Okay. That's exactly what I thought. Like, I was like, she's not ready to do shit yet. Like, just last episode, she was like, oh, I'm okay. And then it was like, womp, womp. So, what did Mary say? She's not okay. Mary said, Brooke Tree, Pam's visiting Dr. Conrad. She's been given a home visit. Dr. warns Bobby to be truthful and upfront about the baby situation and not to avoid the subject. Which could be, again, <laughs> implosion. JR is waiting uh, right outside Ray's house when Ray pulls up. and Creepy. Yeah. He basically bribes Ray, saying, oh, I understand through the grapevine that you're having some financial problems so if i give you help you get that loan you you give me your shares well ray needs time to think about it yeah because ray ray doesn't ray really doesn't want to just lash out and say screw you jr i'm not i'm not doing that he actually legitimately he has pride he doesn't want to go back to donna well yeah but he could also use money right now so he could sell the voting shares to jr right right so he, he he has options he does. But JR puts a deadline on it. He says, you know what they say on TV? Don't wait too long. This offer expires real soon. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> wah, wah. I wonder how many of those lines are Larry Hagman adding on to the script. I'd say probably at least 75%. He adds something of his own. You can tell. I mean, nobody yeah. write that like that. They're like sarcastic and funny and you want to punch them. Like when don't. <laughs> Like when Donna shoved him in the pool, and at the end he goes, "Well, Donna, don't Donna, don't go away, man." Yeah, <laughs> and then he starts laughing. <laughs> oh, that's all, Larry Hagman. Of course it is. So now Dusty gets snippy with Sue Ellen when she returns from getting her hair done, and he's insecure about being impotent. Obviously. Oh my god, he lost it over her male hairdresser touching her, and I was like, dude, really? Say that again, but Mm -hmm. slowly. Think about what you say before it comes out of your fucking mouth. Think about it for a minute, bro. Like, I'm going to be totally stereotypical here, but have you ever met a guy that does women's hair who 
wants to touch them that Only way. one, maybe two. And in the 80s, probably not at all. Okay. It's a rare thing. And yeah, so uh, Dusty has nothing to worry about, I don't think. I mean, and Sue Ellen, she's been, she, okay, she's Sue Ellen Ewing. Like, she was Miss Texas. She's been hit on her entire life by everybody. She's probably right. been groped. She's probably been, like, had her ass slapped. So the guy doing her hair is just like, it's just a thing. Like, even if he's not gay, she doesn't care. He's like providing a service. Whoa. So he's flipping the fuck out for nothing because male ego. And she's like, whoa, I I love you. I want to be with you. And he's like, but you can't be with me that way. And she's like, I don't care. You, you, you big dummy. Like she doesn't fucking care. Oh my God. And he, but he he's says, not getting it. And then he has his tr- overly dramatic dusty moment. I'm not alive in any way that matters to me. I just started laughing. I couldn't help it. Okay. I mean, you're alive, motherfucker. <laughs> you're walking. They said it. you wouldn't. You've got a beautiful woman. Your nope. Your nope rep's not working. But, but you maybe you can. We just have to wait and see. You're impatient. Dude, You're danger exactly. noodle. They didn't see, and they th- they didn't think he'd walk again. I mean, he survived a plane crash. Who right. does that? And D- Dusty y'all are missing the whole point of this scene, too. Just so you know. Did you see her hair? She went to get that done. Was that shit ain't going to stay like that yeah. when she gets in the bed tonight. You just paid money to go get your hair done in an updo that doesn't even look like you. And it's going to be messy in the morning. Wasteful. Well, here's the thing. She's going to have, she's going to have bed hair. It's going to be all over the place. She can afford, she can, it's like, huh, she can afford with all her alimony and shit to go get her hair when done. When I go get my hair done, like that, but I get it cut time, or I get it colored. That's it. Girl, mine gets Mine gets colored. I got mine colored Let's be yesterday. Real. When we go to have our hair done, we're getting colored. I'm not getting a French twist. That's See, I'm going to get my hair cut colored, done. not a French I, twist. She, she didn't need to go in and have the hair done, but she needed to get off the ranch and away from Dusty because he was just he's sinking into that then hole. Then go shopping or get your nails done. But the hair, ugh. That was what the hair was for, girl. But she didn't do anything. She got it put in a French he, twist with a on the side. Hey, I will say, when I have my hair colored, I, I get my, she curls my hair, and then the next morning, usually, I don't have I didn't to do this much morning. to it. I can just go like this. I know. I get it. It makes you feel yeah. better. Just like when you get your nails done. It makes you feel better. It does. But like, yeah. if you've got to leave. Like, right now, I look like a swamp Me rat. Me too. I'm going to take a shower when we get done. Same. That's why I'm like, let's. So now, JR is sitting in his office and Sly buzzes and says, there's a Mr. Barnes here to see you. And JR's like, Who? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> who, who do you... Who, What's up, Mr. Barnes? How many Mr. Barneses do you know, JR? He's being an asshole. Yeah. Well, Cliff comes in to tell him that uh, he's he and the members of the cartel have bought up half of the loan note. And they have a week. He has a week to pay it off. Otherwise, JR is out of business. You know, JR really doesn't seem... Like his facial expressions, he doesn't really seem that scared. At least at first. I mean, like, it's almost like he thought he was, like, fucking with him. You know what I mean? If he was, he would not show it to Cliff Barnes because he does not want to show weakness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just, his face and the whole thing until the very, like, last thing, I just was like, he's kind of being, like, a little bit nonchalant about it. Like, he doesn't think he's going to work. It doesn't worry him because he knows Cliff is going to lose. That's basically what he thinks. Yeah. Right. Exactly. A Ewing is like a cat, always lands on its feet. And a Barnes is like the opposite of a cat, always lands on its uh, back. I think he's only worried because it's just so, not Cliff. It's Cliff and the cartel. 
So that's what scares him a little. Right. But like you said, he's not going to show it. Right. Right. And then Bobby asked for an update from Phyllis on the McCarthy and Greer letter search, and she's come up with nothing yet. And she's going, so she's going to keep digging. And then Dr. Conrad calls to say that Pam is ready to be hmm. picked up. And Bobby says, if if is Jeff she, Faraday calls, get me at the ranch. Then have get me at the he ranch. He walked in the office, yeah, and then they called, and then he left to go get Pam. Right. Uh. He spends a lot of time in his yeah. car. So Swellen tries to get Dusty not to ride the horse. This scene is like more of Dusty being uh, ring that bell, please. Oh. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> He says, if I can't be a man in the bedroom, at least I can be a man in the saddle. And Mary said, not sure why he can't ride a horse. Right. Why can't he Didn't ride he a get horse? On a horse? It has that's the bad Because horse. they don't want him why to get injured again. They said it's too soon. Like, he needs to take his time. Because if you get re-injured, like, your spinal cord, you're, like, really going to be paralyzed. So, basically, they're just saying, don't get bucked mm-hmm. off a horse or whatever. But he's like, I can be a man on the saddle. But, again, here comes that <laughs> horse analogy. But I think, I think you know, he probably knows which horse he gets on is gonna is gonna buck him off and which he was one a rodeo isn't. guy. He knows what the fuck he's doing. It's not like me getting I mean, a fuck a horse after twenty years. He knows years. what the fuck he's doing. Exactly. I'm gonna be a horse. I'm gonna be on my fucking horse. I don't have one. Can we note? Was Sue Ellen's hair still in that French twist in the morning? Oh no? God, I, I don't remember. And now I have to look because it's gonna piss me off. And that's not even twenty four hours. She had that bitch in. Ugh, wasteful. Right. And then we have the wasted scene of why uh, – Oh, it's like, oh, we have Lee McCluskey on payroll. we got to get him in a scene here f- for this episode. Dr. Waring calls Mitch in to take Mrs. Rogers to the coffee shop while he talks with Lori. Could you all explain this to me? Because was, was I was very, like, unnerved by this scene because – you tell me what you thought was going on. And let me just see if I'm just perverted and stupid. Tell me what you think was going on. Now I think Lori's that, going in for some uh, plastic surgery. Of let's some just sort. say a nose job. But what? Why would you want the mom to leave when the patient patient privilege? But the daughter was saying, "Why don't you stay?" She was clearly uncomfortable. That guy's a fucking pervert. And then Lee, that's what <laughs> happened. I'm t- they were, he was trying to get the mom out of there so he could like make passes on that little girl. Is that not what y'all saw? I totally saw that. Yeah, uh, in the skeevy sense, yes, but at the same time, maybe he just came across as a skeevy doctor. Or maybe he was going to talk her to do like, more stuff than she was going to get or something. But it seemed to me like to touch her boobies. Yeah, because you know how sometimes, like, well, you know, sometimes moms can like start jumping in and shit. And, you know, if she if she was over 18 and doing all this on her own, then she doesn't need mama sitting there going, but, 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 or but maybe. I think her mom took her because she looked so uncomfortable. Like, I don't want a nose job or I don't want to. Oh, <clears throat> oh, plot maybe twist. She... Maybe she didn't want a nose job and Dr. Waring knew that. So she, he made Mitch get her out so he could maybe talk the girl out of it if she really, really didn't want to. Good yeah. job, Mel. Give him, I, give him I, a golden star. But yeah. no, that fucker's a pervert. He was going to have his hand up her skirt. That's what he's about to do. I'm trying to look on the bright okay, side. Well, Jesus. Bright side, smart side. Woman's intuition again. Ding, 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 ding. He's a pervert. I want to know. No, you're right. This is fellow fans. Is right. no, you're type right. in and let us know what you think about this scene uh, because it really fucking creeped me out. I mean, like I was in my office watching it and I, I was like, hold on a second. Can I call you back? It was a fucking client. I put actually, him on hold so I could watch the scene again. 
Mary said, what the fuck, weird scene, too. So I guess, okay. But she didn't I'm say, numbered. she didn't he say, like, a molester scene, like I said. So I don't know. What do you no, think, Josh? You're a man. I'm only thinking, I'm only, my only thought was, why is there even a scene with Mitch in this episode? It had nothing to do with anything at all. It was a throwaway Point proven. Scene. Point proven. That's all You're I right, thought. though. It it's was a throwaway scene. scene. Point yeah. proven because he didn't see it. Have you ever been it, talked to it, by it, a man? It's because Lee McCluskey was getting needed yeah, a paycheck. I totally agree with that you. episode. But that was the weirdest thing because if that was the case, they would have had him doing his rounds, walking in and checking on a patient. This was a fucked up scene. This is leading up to something else, I think. I can't remember, but that man's a pervert and I don't like him. And he was going to go up her skirt when the mama left. I promise. Uh, Take it from the 43 year old woman. Right. Mel. <laughs> oh my God. I wish, I wish Mary was no, on here right now. Right. Cause she said the same. I'm going to have to text her. No, no, her. You're, you're probably right. I'm the one who sits there and tries to, and, and, and goes, okay, everybody just calm down. And then at the same time, it's like, wow, that was really I, stupid. I would, no, he I totally, totally really give him the benefit of the doubt. Like you said, like maybe it is something like that. Maybe he's trying to, but the way he was like, no, no, no. Get her out of here. Take her to the cafeteria. I need to talk to this little girl by herself. Fucking weird. Marble words. <laughs> but guess what else is fucking weird? The wallpaper. The awful lot of time spent on a scene that's exactly. a throwaway scene. It, maybe that's what they meant for it to be. <laughs> yeah. It was a water cooler moment. So Next scene. <laughs> the wallpaper. Bob, Bobby brings Pam home. The wallpaper sucks. Yeah. But Pam loves it. It's her favorite color. They were trying to be nice to her. They you know what? Upset her. This Bob, reminds me of when they were going to go pick out new bedroom furniture for her. So if they put new wallpaper on too, glad she loves it because I would have been like, "What the fuck?" Exactly. They're, they're trying to like not make her spiral out of control. I mean, that defeats the purpose. Like, put it back. It almost looked like the wallpaper that belonged in the room Guzzler was staying in, with all the like the jungle, the jungle Jesus. room, like that Golden Girls room. There's a pretty little thing waiting for a king down in the jungle. Oh, oh yeah, because I was walking in. Me- I was walking in Memphis. Oh yeah, walking in Memphis. But so, uh, Bob- Bobby has a concern. Had a concerned look on his face when he hugged Pam. Did you notice that? He's probably yeah. scared she's going to stab him in his sleep. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> We're going to boil. So, going to boil a bunny. According. According to the Dallas Press, crude prices continue to drop. And JR throws that paper away. And guess what? And Cliff shows up with a copy and says, We're going to give you a 10 day extension at 25% instead of 12. Instead of 12. But I want and I something. I want Ewing from you. Sticks, and someday cows are going to give beer. Mmm, cow beer. Mmm. Mm-hmm. But JR. Um, JR ain't hearing it. No. There's no way in hell that a Barnes is ever going to own a piece of Ewing Oil property. No way in Looks hell. Like it. Well, you got three days, and you're a de- you got three days, and you're a dead man. And Cliff is the head pallbearer. And then Ray comes to give Jr. more bad news. And he's wearing that nice <laughs> suit scene. without the jacket. He's got the vest and the tie, and the he looks like he's going to a wedding or something. Or he's going to the, the bank. cowboy hat on. <laughs> he's like. I'm. He's like, you know what? I'm not giving you my voting shares because uh, I kind of, I kind of get the power I have. And fuck you, Jr. <laughs> and and, see, and we're gonna, basically, we're gonna throw you out. That's like two people in one episode in. that went against him. My, three, including Cliff. Mm-hmm. 
And it, it just always cracks me up because when when shit goes south for Jr., he's always like, "Oh, us brothers, we stick together." But shit like this, they're like, "Nah, nah, where's the loyalty?" All the time. That's because he's only nice when he wants something. Exactly. So they're like, "Well, okay, time to give you a taste of your own medicine, brother." Good for them. Guess what? Ferris found. What should have happened after that phone call with Greer from California? When JR's name came up, Bobby should have pieced the whole thing together, but it takes this letter that Phyllis gets. And yes, JR has left his files in a place where Phyllis can find them because she started going wow. through JR's wow. files. And Mary said, Bobby finally puts it together. Slow clap. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And he's going to meet Faraday at, reu- at the reunion near reunion tower at 3 p.m. And do you hear how loud that typewriter is in the background? I didn't notice. Phyllis was, uh, I was typing on a typewriter. You could, if you go back, you can hear the typewriter like, click, 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 click. I love typewriters, by the way. In the back. My niece and nephew did not know what a typewriter was when their grandfather explained it to them. So then we, let's see, Sue Ellen and Clayton watch Dusty ride. Sue Ellen worries Clayton doesn't. Dusty is going to Dusty. That was, that was the summary of the scene from Mary. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Dusty's yep. going to Dusty. They're going to no. let him be Dusty. <laughs> Get it? He's, he, I'm not a real man right now. And Sue Ellen wonders if she can't afford to lose him. Who said anything about losing him? She's like, she couldn't have him not in her life or something like that. And nobody, yeah, nobody said anything about it. And then it's funny. I when I first wrote down for this next scene, I said Bolaris, and I'm going, oh no, wait, he's not Bolaris in this uh, this season. His name is McCoy. Jr. wants to sell to McCoy, and McCoy says, "No deal. Nobody's buying oil right now because they're waiting for it to bottom out." And then, and Jr. said, "Well, you're going to need something someday." And J- old old Jr. is going to remember that. When, when you come to meet yep, or something. he will. Oh, he will, without question. Yeah, but guess who is buying Clayton Farlow? <laughs> <laughs> That's who I stole it from. <laughs> really? And McCoy's like, well, dude, uh, you know, maybe go, maybe go try him. I don't know. <laughs> and JR has that look, uh, a look on his face as he walks out of the office of like, Ugh. Foiled again. And then Sheer tells <sighs> Ray... Why don't you ask Donna for help? And Ray Ray can't do that. It's his male pride thing again. And he says, Well, why don't you go to the Ewings? And well, they're the last that's the last place I would go. And then And Mary says, says, Ray's being dumb as fuck again. He deserves any bullshit coming his way, and I don't care. Yeah, and he could ask Bobby. And ring that bell. Ring that bell. Yeah. Ding ding ding. Bobby would be like, dude, how much do you keep it a secret too? So just go to fucking Bobby. No. You would. Or go to Miss Ellie. She would help him. Yeah. God, yes. Even though he is a bastard child. <laughs> the, on, the only other option is to sell out. Eh. Now, Jeff Faraday wants more money from Bobby, or otherwise he's going to leave town to go see if the father's in California. And Bobby goes, how much do you want? I don't know, a few thousand. No, for the 25, baby. 25,000, right? 25,000. Jeez. It's a good deal for a baby. <sighs> Wow. And Mary said, pretty sure they're in Dealey Plaza. That happens all the time. They're there in like all these things. We were there. Bobby's about to buy a baby. 
I don't know that they're in Dealey Plaza because from the angle there was a they pull he pulled into like a parking lot. But it may have been like a different angle, so they didn't know it was Dealey Plaza. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. She just. I'm just reading yeah. notes. And Re- Reunion Tower was behind him, so I don't know what the proximity of those are, but it's not. I just said Dealey Plaza because she's Mary said pretty sure they're right in front of where Kennedy is killed. If that wasn't right, then I will be struck down by all the Me and Mary were there. Like, we, we walked all I'm around sorry. there. Oh boy. I think uh, I laid on the grassy knoll too. So the end. Well, good lord. So <laughs> morbid. Okay. Faraday tells him, "Don't try any funny stuff." But they're going to meet t- tomorrow at Fair Park. Pam and Rebecca. Yeah. Oh, Rebecca is that. Boy, they're making a lot of use of the kitchen. The nice new set. Yeah, this whole scene, like at least here. once an episode. I mean, this whole season. And they're discussing how, oh, Pam thought so Catherine was so nice and sweet. And she really wishes she got to know her more and hopes she comes to visit. And then they, they talk about Cliff and Ellie said, oh, you know, they talk about how Cliff, Cliff has this nice job running the company. Ellie says, you know, I... I Good for Cliff because he's he's really had a rough go about. It. Ellie obviously still she doesn't do this whole feud thing. She's just like she cared for Digger. She 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 want, doesn't want Cliff to fall in his face except when he goes against the Ewings, obviously. But uh, um, and Pam said, "Oh well, maybe now that Cliff is running things over there, he won't be so bitter, and he maybe he can let the feud go, and he'll be too busy with other things." Well, that's not the case. And the last scene of the episode, Jr. comes hat in hand for the extension. Cliff goes to hand him a pen. Da, da, da. Out his own pen. He's not touching a pen, pen full yes. of arms. And it's funny. He signs and Cliff says, after all these years, I finally whipped Jr. Ewing. All these years? You've only been on the air for a few years. Yeah, he makes it sound like it's been 40 years that he's been going after Jr. But, but every time he says that, it's messed up. He's just like I guess he just means that feud for the whole family, but he every time he says that he jinxes it and he always loses. Oh yeah, and we need to drink because there's a freeze frame on Jr. Oh, there you go. And that look on his face, if if looks could kill, yes, if looks could kill, and and scene scene. Okay, we'll see bourbon and what you give it. So, I guess Melanie, do you want to start tonight? Sit. Okay, so Mary, unless she wants to slice it in herself later, she gave it 4.25 bourbons and a Sunset Boulevard screen room. Okay. Uh, I didn't like this episode. So I gave it a 4 point. Give it a Um, 4.0. And I'm going to give it um, that dumb, stupid psychologist letting Pam have an off weekend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Legit. And I'm going to go with a 4.3. Three five, because there were some things that advanced here, and it was it was nice to see Gary yeah. back at South Fork. And any anytime Gary shows up, it's always a, a welcome visit. And the reveal of Cliff and the cartel buying up the banknotes and Jr. scrambling and there were, there was a lot there was a lot of going on and then there was also not a lot going on at the same time it was a choppy was, weird episode yeah thus the four three five and i give it jr's banknote due in three days i was very distracted last night when i was watching this episode like full disclosure i even tweeted about it um 
because I, I was I was tweeting and like watching and trying to write at the same time. It was just it was bad. Um, basically, my other favorite show is is being like filmed right now, so I got distracted by that. So I gave this episode because it didn't hold my attention very well. Four bourbons, and I'm giving the fifth one to Mariska Hargitay and Christopher Maloney because they distracted me. <laughs> so she used to be on Falcon Crest. She did. Mariska Hargitay. It's Mariska. There's a Mariska. silent H in there. Yeah. Mariska. I will correct anybody who says that all the time. Mariska, yes. All right, guys. I will fucking kill you. Cur- actually, actually, her husband will reach their computer and kill you. As well, Mariska. Mariska. Who, who did she play? <laughs> who did she? Who did she play? Was it Carly Fix? On yes. Falcon Crest. I have to look that up. Yes. Okay. That's right. Good job. And Actually, a lot of, not a lot of people know she, that she was Jane Mansfield's daughter. Yes. I believe. Is that right? yeah. yes? Oh. On that note, do we want to do a wrap up? Visit our Instagram and our Twitter and... Oh my gosh, Instagram, Facebook. We're on all the social media pages. We have a Patreon. Come buy us a drink, you guys. We stumbled a little tonight, didn't we? (laughs) And we have merchandise at uh, Teespring. Uh, All the links are up on our social media pages and you can look for things. And don't forget the Jim Davis Fund, which is running uh, until until next year. And... Next time, we will be reviewing the episode Starting Over, which is episode 87 of the series. So until then. Bye, y'all. Y'all come back now, you hear? I have nothing. I am I am so fucking done with tonight. <laughs> Bye. See you later, Gator. Next on Dallas. Why are you angry? I need a baby. I can't have one. I can't adopt one. JR has taken out some very large loans. And with the price of oil dropping. You think he made default? I gave you everything I had. I haven't seen the baby. It's going to cost you an extra 5000 The baby turns out to be legitimate. You get $30,000. You can't sell your crude. Can't afford to keep it. Enjoy your 10 days, JR, because after that, there's not going to be any more JR Ewing at Ewing Oil.